Welcome to The Tangent Tree. My name is Samantha Stephen. My name is Simon Dillon. And today we are continuing on part two of Tarantino slash Provocateurs of Cinema. Yes, and uh, we were to dive straight back in with Inglorious Bastards. Yes, that's we? where we wanted to start. Okay, so um, Inglorious Bastards, uh, war film which plays fast and loose with history. It's got two of my favourite films and scenes in cinema in it. Okay, which which are they? The first opening scene with Christoph Waltz is terrifying okay i think that's my favorite scene in the film it's absolutely terrifying the second one is when they're ordering at the bar oh yeah that's i love the way that it's shot and i love the cleverness of and do you know what spoilers if you haven't seen it pause this right here go watch inglorious bastards you shouldn't really be listening to a podcast about tarantino unless you've watched its films but when it's three but done oh yes three fingers or two fingers and a thumb I i just think that's genius because yeah. that is true. Yeah. And I think I think as well, um, I, I want to say this about Inglorious Bastards. It's an interesting one because I think Tarantino, his stated aim with this film was to do what he called a guys on a mission film. Yeah. And obviously the whole idea of the sort of Jewish revenge squad and all the rest it of it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, also the actors who they got to be in it, little things like Eli Roth being yes. in it and just yeah. those things. And you're like, oh... Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a fun movie, but I think that I think that it was aping things like Where Eagles Dare, um, and and those sorts of films, the guys on a mission film, as Tarantino. Well, also, actually. Great Escape. Yes, all of that stuff. But I think in in a sort of agreeably different and quite bloody way. Also, I like the idea of of film itself playing a part in the destruction of the third Reich. Yes. you know with Which, the, with the... for anybody who loves cinema it's that little fist pump in the air of like yeah we got hitler you bastard yeah it's quite funny but i think i think because i know of course the use of contemporary music as well even people you're hearing people like david bowie and so yes. on and it's, it's just it's a very interesting one um one of my favorite things in the film actually is you know they have that um the sniper third reich sniper who's basically a german war hero essentially and there's been a film made about him and so yes. on and so on I rather like the fact that he's presented as this kind of likable character, but at the same time, it's like, no, hang on a minute. He's still standing up with the armies of darkness. You know, yes. he's still, you know, accountable for all the. But awful Tarantino that likes to do that. Yeah. He likes to make the bad guy kind of likable in the beginning and then make you feel like a piece of shit for liking the bad guy yeah, which i think <laughs> when is, you realize which, how bad they are yeah. because you go oh yeah he's a bad guy and then you go oh my god he's a bad guy well i do like that about this film and i do like and you say about christoph waltz i think he's just brilliant it's so so why doesn't he shoot her at the start for instance that kind of thing because um, he likes to play with his food yes that's the thing about that character is he's playing with his food because um he doesn't really see them as human. Yes. Uh, and that was a common concept during the Third Reich, particularly with propaganda, Goebbels, all of this, this, this. I think it's a very interesting film. I also think that just one more on Tarantino before, because I know we did a whole podcast on Tarantino before yeah. this. I just want to say one more thing about Jackie Brown, which I think is the sort of rather unsung film from the Tarantino back catalogue um and i i rather like it i think it's the, i love the opening shot which is deliberately echoing the graduate you know the opening yes. of the graduate on the and and i like pam Greer, and i think that the way it's ha- I mean, choice of music everything about i mean i know it's it's long and there's less action in it but i really like the characters and the attention to detail in it of the way i think it's a very 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 good film and i think it's the only tarantino film i could be wrong about this i think it's the only tarantino film that in the uk 
got a 15 certificate instead of an 18 certificate. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like the... he wouldn't have been happy with that. Well, <laughs> he would have been it's... like, damn it. No, but I think it's, it's, it's deliberately, t- the violence is deliberately toned down in that one, which I well, think was, was interesting. So this is an interesting way to go into our other topic, which is provocateurs right. of cinema. Right. So how would you define a provocateur in this context? text well i think it's somebody who jabs raw nerves in the audience it's as simple as that over over could be you know sexual issues race issues um you know socio-political issues whatever whatever the hot button topic is and then deliberately toys with sometimes in an sometimes just purely to to be a prankster and i think that the thing about the provocateur is that you have to understand there's a certain i think there's a certain personality type a certain mentality psychologically behind the person who does that and you look at somebody like um i'm going to talk about Lars von Trier to start with now i don't particularly Lars von Trier is an interesting one he annoys me <laughs> okay um, why well because i'd love to hate him and yet I like some of his films, but at the same, because I feel like Lars von Trier is his actually... His films make me think. Yes, but he's a bit of an asshole. He is, but I mean, his films make me think, though. I know, but you see, here's, here's the interesting thing about von Trier. He, when he makes dumb comments in press conferences about Hitler and all the rest of it... He's a bit you know, of an asshole, I yeah. know, but people take it at face value and take it seriously, and I think seriously, just don't feed the troll. He's doing <laughs> this on... Stop it, just stop it. Oh, you've banned him from the Cannes Film Festival. Like you've done... You've just played right into his that's what he wants, hands. yes, Of course. Exactly. He wants the publicity. He wants that. you know, he's an attention seeking Taboo. Exactly. Well, he is all about the taboo. So, yeah. for example, let's take his movie... Or movies, Nymphomaniac 1, 2, and 3, I think. No, there's two. Two, 1 and 2. So the poster adverts for that are people having an orgasm. Well, actually, wasn't the the logo was like two brackets? It was like a vagina. (laughs) I mean, it was... But but the, the thing about those films, I mean... Honestly, I hate those films. I really do. They're just horrible. I think. I think. They're... I think they're really interesting character studies. But the thing is, they're horrible. I think Charlotte Gainsborough does an awesome well, job. Well, she's a very good actress, and but... is super compelling. So does the younger actress in it. I think ca- actors like Jamie Bell. Do you know what? Also, um, what's his name? He was in the horrible Michael Bay films. Uh, there's a number of people in horrible. Shia LaBeouf. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. He's actually quite compelling in that well, film. Well, you, you know, my, like my, the my... characters are fascinating for me. Okay, well, here's okay. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't like those films, yeah. but at the same time, I refuse to be offended by them. <laughs> okay, yeah. because I, then I'm just playing into his hands. Okay, so I, I feel there are things about them that I. That, I mean, having said that, I mean it's not because I'm. It's not because I find them. Pr- you know, I'm not prudish about no, them. No, it's no, just no. I find them boring. I think that actually, you know, watching you know four hours of some of the most boring sex you'll ever see. Oh, it's not about the sex, though. No, but but do you understand? But I know it's not about the sex. But I th- I think it's deliberately. It's done on purpose. Do you understand what yes. I'm saying? They've deliberately made it sort of degrading and horrible and extremely unarousing. Yes. Okay. It's done on purpose that way. But I think that I, I, I just think I just didn't like them. I found I don't. I mean, maybe maybe you should psychoanalyze me and tell me why I didn't like them. No, maybe that's not, not this. fair. Uh, unless you pay me. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's not do it on this podcast. Okay. So so here's here's an interesting one though. With Lars von Trier, I like some of his other films. For example, I loved the tv series uh, he directed the kingdom which he ended up ended up being released over here as a sort of five hour 
it's sort of basically they stick all the episodes together. It was a five hour thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was five hours and too short. I mean, I loved it. It was like Ghostbusters meets Casualty meets The Exorcist. Yes. I mean, you know, in, in this hospital with these really quirky, weird characters and, you know, weird stuff happening everywhere and like some proper horror moments as well. I mean, I loved it. And then I saw um, Breaking the Waves, which I hated. Mm. I mean, it's just. I think it's a repugnant, misogynist film. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Breaking seen the waves, waves no. with it. But you know, it's cleverly directed, and the performances are. You know, no one's denying the strength of performances, but it's it's a deeply horrid message in that film. I think, but it's still provocative. But st- exactly, because it's provoking so, a response so right now. So I still refuse to be offended by it. Yeah. In the set, well, except I think I kind of am, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Okay, and then you get a film like Dancer in the Dark, which I quite like, the Bjork one, and then he does something like The Idiots, which again. I just think is horrid. Um, and then you get probably my favourite Von Trier film, which is a film called Dogville. Have you seen that? No, I With Nicole Kidman. Oh, you really ought to see that. Because it has this kind of... It's filmed almost like a Brechtian stage play with sort of bits of missing scenery. Do you, know, you understand what I mean by Brechtian? Yes. Right, okay. So, and Nicole Kidman has an extraordinary central performance in that film. And th- there are sort of very alarming things that happen in it. So, for example, at one point, because of the Brechtian staging, most of the time your imagination obviously fills in the, the you know the details. But then, it at some point it deliberately draws attention to itself. So there's a scene where someone's being raped, and then at the same time someone's walking down the street outside, and you of course there's no wall there, so you can see this going on. So it's kind of someone walking right past it. Yeah. And it's kind of it's a really shock. It, it's a very clever moment in the, in 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 the film that the way it sort of does that. So it's playing with concepts of theatre and cinema, and it's, as I say, it's got this great central performance by Nicole Kidman. I really like the film. I think it's very clever. One thing that seems to run through his films is he gives his lead actor or actress or both leads space to perform yes and they really do some people just take it to the hills like for example antichrist oh my goodness but the performances because you get sucked in 100 percent to what's going on and it's yeah i mean the the thing is that these are films that are i think it you're gonna attract hardcore cineasts most you people are. This should is not the film to walk into yeah, I, I and not to say, know who I would, it is. I have to, for the benefit of people listening, you know, these films, the Von Trier films, you know, approach with extreme caution. And you have to be in a mood. Well, I think, to be honest with you, I'm quite an open minded mood, is what I mean. I mean, if you're somebody like me who just loves cinema for the sake of cinema, then it's not such a big deal. But I think, you know, really, really exercise caution with these ones. I mean, the other thing I was going to mention actually was the one Lars Von Trier film which is one of his most acclaimed, by the way, that I'm not, I don't hate, I don't love, I'm indifferent to. Interesting. Okay, the only, That's quite strong from you. It is. I'm utterly, utterly indifferent to the film Melancholia. Oh, really? Yeah, which is one of, I know a lot of people love that film and a lot of people think it's one of his best. I watched it and I came out and... and to, if you'll forgive my If you'll, you'll forgive my use of an obscenity, okay, I came out and I just said, meh. Oh, you know, that's, I that's quite really, strong for me. Really, really could not have cared less about it either way. And that's extraordinary for Von Trier to provoke a reaction like that in his work. It's, it, but he chooses to talk about things which we all experience in extremes. Yes, I think so. So, for but, example, um, I would say that Antichrist is about grief and yeah. how to grieve and a couple of other things, but I would say that's one of the strong things. And obviously Nymphomaniac is about sex and our relationship with sex um well i think the thing, melancholic depression okay, I think, or how we I handle think nymphomaniac specifically depression. is actually about our sex obsessed society and well that's what i mean the, our yeah. relationship with sex yeah 
Um, I think that in the case of of, of Antichrist, um, I really struggled to get, again, it's one of the ones I didn't like. I really struggled to understand. I mean, you're saying it's about grief. Yeah, maybe. that. How do you deal with grief? How do you handle the loss, for example, of a child or the loss of somebody near and dear to you? How do you work that out in a relationship? How do you communicate? How do you, do you know what I mean? I, I think he takes quite simple things we assume are quite simple as in, oh, well, lots of us have had something like that happen and then puts it in and quite extreme. In some, yeah, throws in some genital mutilation. Yeah, for, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine being the art house that had to design that? Well, I think to be honest with you, you'd have to disconnect from it, wouldn't you? You'd just, <laughs> It'd just go, be just... odd. Anyway, okay, let's stop talking about genital mutilation. Actually, no, let's not. Let's go on to... Okay. Uh, here's a provocative... How are you going to bridge this gap? Okay, genital muti- female genital mutilation in horrible graphic detail in um, Antichrist to male genital mutilation oh in horrible graphic detail. Because we're talking about provocative. Yeah, okay, we are. Provocative films, okay? And obviously about... there has to be genital mutilation. Okay, okay. So, so in two, in two <laughs> particular films... Uh, there's a there's a Japanese film I'm going to talk about briefly called In the Realm of the Senses, I which is seen very this. controversial. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I've seen it once. I will never watch it again. Really? <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you about this film. I had to see it because it was banned. Okay. Oh. So as a student, I had to, it was on the list. I was like, okay. Like and of a course, fly to light. Well, of course, you're telling me I can't watch this, so therefore Moth I have to, to watch flame. it. And I went to see it, and I was thinking, okay, so I'm going to, you know, it went to the art house cinema that was showing it. And by the way, it had. I think it had still been slightly censored. There was a shot uh, which was because of the Protection of Children Act. There was one particular shot which had been removed because of that. I think that's still the case today, in the UK at least. I imagine um, that's one of the few things where you'd be like, I don't honestly, I don't need to see the uncut I, I, version. I don't, I don't necessarily, but the point, I mean, to be honest with you, I sat in the film and I suddenly realised all around me, because you've got to understand this is pre-internet, okay? There were a lot of sort of dirty Mac Brigade type oh. figures in there. And as the film spooled, after, you know, after with 10 minutes into it, I'm thinking, okay, this is basically going to be an hour and a half of hardcore pornography, right? Which it basically is. Yeah. Uh, exploring an obsessive sexual relationship that culminates in male genital mutilation, okay? But the thing about the film was this. I watched it and I just thought, okay, so this is Japanese and it's kind of, this is an Emperor's Got No Clothes film. I'm sorry. Everybody in this, I know art house critics will disagree with me, but it is basically that. Yeah. And, um... So yeah, I was. I came out of that cinema feeling like, oh, I need to go and have a shower. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I sat through that. Um, but then, then also, um, here's another male genital mutilation. Oh film. God! Uh, have you ever heard of "I Spit on Your Grave"? Yes, I've okay, heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's a notorious rape revenge film. Yes. Okay. Now it's actually been remade, but I'm talking about the original version. I've heard of the okay. remake. Okay. Well, the the original version was banned in the UK, and it, you, the it's version, not really surprising when you yeah. say it now. <laughs> Well, the interesting thing about it is this: the version you can get now, I think, has still been cut. I think it's still... The, I, I, of course, had a videotape of the uncut version. You know, I specialised in such things in my youth. It just makes you sound like we were part of the Dirty Mac parade, which you're not. No, I was part of the cin- cinematic, you know, kind of, you know, you, you know what I... Okay. I don't have to... You know what? Judge me if you like. Okay, <laughs> no, I won't. So, so um, I had a videotape of this, uh, amongst other things. I, I had quite an extensive library. I don't want to know about the rest of your videotape, Simon. Okay. So, in, but in the case of this specific film, I actually attended a lecture at my, uh, on my course that talked about and compared the accused which was a rape revenge sort of story it's a courtroom thriller okay you had Jodie Foster and um can't think of her name in the, the woman who was in Top Gun and Witness can't, Kelly McGillis okay and she was the, the lawyer who was um or the prosecutor who was trying to get basically get her day in court because she was gang raped okay 
So that's this film, The Accused. Now, it was a very controversial film because it was all considered controversial because it also features this graphic reenactment in flashback of what happened to her. Okay. Yeah. It's quite a good film. At the same time, I Spit on Your Grave was... You see, you see but this, The Accused had this aura of respectability to it, okay? I Spit on Your Grave is an unashamed trashy you know the first 45 minutes of that film is this girl being horribly and repeatedly gang raped okay and with nothing is spared no detail is spared then the nut the remaining 45 minutes is her systematically and horribly killing her rapists including the aforementioned you know (laughs) genital mutilation scene yeah and it's totally unapologetic it's a really shocking really provocative piece and this lecture that i attended uh, this this woman who was giving this lecture she argued that that actually that i spit on your grave was the more feminist piece than the you know polished hollywood you know, and i know exactly why she so, argued from that perspective so you know i mean by the way this same woman would also argue that hardcore pornography is less misogynist than softcore pornography but anyway but well here's the thing though in terms of the comparisons between those two the reason why the accused would feel more respectable to the general audience is because you have woman playing within roles that were comfortable women being, if that makes sense. Yes. They're not going against well, the Well, lawyer and victim. Stereotype. Well, not lawyer, sorry. Um, prosecutor and victim. But also, it, she is basically agreeing to play by the rules as these 12 news values, which somebody called Dukes came up with in 2004, which is we will go ahead and we want the ideal victim as well which is she's being an ideal victim. She's female. She's going after them through the justice system. She's not going after them through her own ways of revenge and genital mutilation. Yeah. And when we see it, it's done in one flashback scene and that's enough for us because we don't really need to see all of that. So it doesn't ruin our idea of her innocence because it's not overplayed, if that makes sense. Yes. So she is the ideal victim. I don't know what she looked like. I imagine she was pretty. Um, it's Jodie Foster. Yeah, so okay. Yeah. And also blonde and blue-eyed, so she's like the American perfect female victim. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I imagine I spit on your grave. It's going against what we want our ideal victim to feel like. But we also know what happened to her is completely wrong. And to be fair, I probably would do something quite similar. Well, the interesting... Not th- going to lie. The interesting thing is that... But that's because in- I'm a three-dimensional female woman, not... A two-dimensional ideal victim. Well, interestingly, the 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 um, other title, I Spit on Your Grave, actually has a, an alternative title. The other title is Day of the Woman. It's actually called that. So um, I love that. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. But to be honest with you, yeah, it, it's. I mean, I'm going to just say this. You know, I, I don't like the film. I mean, it's absolutely horrid. Yeah. But I think it was an interesting argument that I heard. And um, again, provocateur. You have. Um, Another provocateur, one of my favourite ones, actually, um, Paul Verhoeven, who did Robocop, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, the original good version. The three-tip version. Yeah. Well, no, there's no, there's a three-tip version in, in both, actually. Is there? Yes. Ah, oh, I only remember too. the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. Okay. In that moment, because it was, I was like nine, and it was ingrained in my memory. Say I had, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. I had nine, no. Okay. I was nine years old when I saw it, and I remember being like... okay. Well, the point, yes, but that's just <laughs> typical of you, isn't it? You saw all the really inappropriate I stuff know. at an early age. But, but, but it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean. Yeah. 
<laughs> Moving on. Um, the, the, thing about, the thing about Verhoeven is he is a provocateur, not just in those films, which are very violent films, but, but I was going to think in more in earlier work, like, for example, a film he did called Flesh and Blood, which for me gets points for sheer audaciousness. Yeah. But it is unbelievably, um, you know, it's sex, violence, dialed up to 11 stupid. Um, and then you have more recently, as a film that came out called L. Did I tell you about L? We talked about L. It's the one with um, Isabella Hubert. Mm. Okay, so in this film, it's a relatively recent film, and I was sitting in the cinema, I've got to be honest with you, I was squirming because I could feel everyone around me being offended by the film. Yes. And I was thoroughly enjoying it. I was. Th- I thought it was a really entertaining kind of thriller almost, um, and also a satire on a number of different things. But it starts with, you know, she's attacked and raped in her home, okay? And she gets There's a lot up. of raping in these provocateur films. Well, it's a provocative subject, it's true. Um, you know, and, and what happens is she's attacked and raped and she kind of gets up and gives a Gallic shrug and goes and has a bath and doesn't do anything else about it, doesn't call the police, doesn't do anything. And you think, well, what's she up to? And she goes back to work at this video games company where she works that are making very nasty misogynist video games. Yeah. Okay, with tentacle rape and goodness knows what in them. But here's what happened. In flashbacks, you start to understand, okay, here's why she didn't go to the police. There's a reason she doesn't trust the police, and so on and so on. And then, of course, this being a Paul Verhoeven film, God forbid that good taste should prevail, so we actually get the rape in horrible graphic flashback as well, because you don't really get it in great detail to start with. But then you get into this guessing game of who is the rapist, because the rapist was masked, okay? And and, and there's a, a sort of you know guessing game of who is it you know it's like it's a it's a thriller and Bert Verhoeven knows exactly what he's doing he's jabbing a lot of raw nerves because some of the things he gets into okay elements of sadomasochism and other things yeah are you know I, I watched that film and I thought you are dancing on a knife edge with this film yes. okay but you know exactly what you're doing and you know you're going to offend a certain section of the audience and you know that you're going to get other people who share your dark sense of humor and I've got to be honest with you, in that particular case, I was in the latter category. I actually thought it was a very interesting film. Yes. Um, and so Verhoeven, for me, at his best, can can do very well. Now, of course, the most controversial Paul Verhoeven film was Basic Instinct, which I was a lot less keen on. I thought, yes. that, I thought that was a thoroughly nasty film. Do you think that was provocative for the masses? I We talked about it, didn't so, we? The yeah, film we've Noir talked Pop about was, it with yeah. Femme Fatales. But I think... In terms of that, I think there's a difference between being a provocateur and being provocative for taboo to make money for that kind of stuff. If you're doing it for yourself, then oftentimes it looks like what we've talked about. Whereas if you're doing it to be talked about, then I think it can go into that mass produced feel. I I, I don't... And overproduced feel. I mean, the thing about, I don't think, I actually think Basic Instinct, the furore around it at the time, which was largely to do, well, firstly, there was the censorship issue. The US got a much more prudish version than what we, than the rest of the world. We got the uncut version. Yeah. Secondly, um, I know that the gay and lesbian community were deeply offended by it because for various reasons, which I have to be honest, are a bit absurd. Okay, it's like you're actually taking this film seriously. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like they created the controversy mm-hmm. in much the same way that Christians created the controversy around things like, um, you know, some of the films that they Everything. protested against. Yes. Monty Python. Yes, well, I was going to say. So <laughs> So I think that, that you know, the more it's the, it's the Father Ted principle, you know, down with this sort of thing, careful now. Yes. You know, the TV series Father Ted where they protest against. Yes. The, yeah, okay. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think that I think that that was the case with Basic Instinct. I don't think it, I don't think it was set out necessarily to be as provocative as it ended up being. So in terms of c- cinema provocateurs outside of subject matter like rape, violence against women, or violence against men, um, are there people who you've watched films and they've provoked you to think more than anything that you've ever watched before? Well, here's the interesting one. Ken Russell, mm-hmm. okay, who, to be fair, does sex, violence, whatever. I mean, there's tons of that in his films too. But um, have you ever seen a film called The Devils? No. You see, here's the thing about The Devils. The Devils, is, I think this is a good one to talk about briefly because The Devils is early 1970s. It's got um, Alan Bates and it's based based loosely on facts. And essentially it's a sort of... The story is that this Catholic priest um, who is actually, you know, sleeping with this woman uh, and the, the this nun who's jealous and wants to... Um, and ends up... There's an investigation and the, all the nuns basically pretend to be possessed yes. and say that, you know, that this priest has led them into this, you know, and there's a huge political trial and the whole thing becomes about the separation of church and state, okay? It is a deeply anti-Catholic film, I would argue. Yes, and it's so controversial in its time. It, I won't bore you with all the details of how censored it was in its various versions. But, you know, weirdly, it's a film that I've seen the uncut version, but only because, but not in context. So there is a completely uncut version that the BFI show, but Warner Brothers refused to release it commercially to this day. Why? I don't know. It's a big mystery. Have you but watched it? I've watched the most uncut version I can see, right? And the censored footage I've watched out of context. Yes. Okay, because the censored footage is to do with the excesses that these nuns then go to in order to act, in order to, yes. you know, be considered to be possessed. Now, this a lot of this stuff is arguably gratuitous, but I have seen all of the extra footage out of context, but not in the context of the whole film. But the footage that you've seen doesn't make any reason why Warner Brothers wouldn't release it today, considering the other well, things that are released. Well, and, and I mean, the thing is, in one sense, I mean, it's going to be very, very offensive to certain Christian mindsets, I would say. Yes. But the reality is that, specifically Catholic ones, but I think that I can't understand why in this day and age, at least, it is because there are there are things out there that are... 50 times worse. Well, it's not that I'd say they're 50 times worse. It's just that of equivalent, you know, blasphemous value, if yes. you want to, to put it that way. Well, blasphemous to the Catholic Church or whatever. I don't, yes. I don't necessarily think... I, I do think... The, see, my, my, my personal take on The Devils is this. You know, it's a film that has good intentions, but there is no doubt about it that Ken Russell is being a total perv as well. So, you know, he's, he's, he's in Lear mode. There's no question about yes. it with some of it. But at the same time, the message of the film about the, separ- the need for the separation between church and state is actually a very very interesting one Mm. so i think that there is a there is an interesting it's an interesting film i certainly again it's not one necessarily for you know a mainstream audience i don't know but it was a very controversial film in its time so yes there are other there are films that provoke outside of the like you say the sex violence things this was more religious and to this day it has not been given uncut a proper release warner brothers refused to do it for whatever reason i don't know interesting so there you are there are, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, that leaps to mind that's kind of provocative for other, for, you know, would be considered. I suppose we do have, I think, you see, I think in, in, in one sense, from the other side, you get people who provoke on issues like race, for instance. I mean, there's a big debate, for example. What, exam- like Jordan Peele? 
get outness. Well, well, although us is more about possibly yes. class and welfare. Yes, I think. I think. Yes, I think. Jordan, I think Jordan Peele, whose films I love, I think both Get Out and Us are terrific films. I think he's a provocateur. But first and foremost, he's a genre filmmaker. Those are both proper horror. films. Yes, and okay. I'm excited about Twilight and, Zone. And Shout out for that. Yeah. So all of that. So so I love those because they're good horror films, not because they're you know I I feel any great sort of. I think they're great yeah. horror films, but I do think he there is much more to talk they're movies that get you talking he, when exactly you so he is a provocateur in a sense mm. okay and in, in a very positive way i think that um another another example of this i think mel gibson is a provocateur i mean look at the passion of the christ yeah you know you had people yelling about it being anti-semitic and it's kind of like well hang on a minute a it's what's in the bible b um actually I mean, I defend The Passion of the Christ. I think it's a terrific film. I don't think... Now, I know that Mel Gibson has run into trouble because of his anti-Semitic rants and so on. <laughs> yeah. But the but the film itself, I don't think is anti-Semitic because if you look at it, um, you know, there are many, many positive portrayals of Jewish characters within that film. You know, like, for example, the guy who carries Jesus Jesus's cross, the, the fact that, um, you know, the notorious blood libel thing, that's actually can be seen as, from a Christian point of view, can be seen... Do you know what I mean by the blood libel? Where he says whether people who try yelling for him to be crucified yes. say his blood be on us and on our children. Actually, in a metaphorical sense, when you read the Bible, those were the first people who got converted, so they were the first Christians. Yeah. So it's like his blood be us and on our children. It's, a, it's you know... it's Not a bad thing. Exactly. So it becomes... You have to look at, you know, again, I don't want to get into a religious discussion discussion because the bible is hugely complex but i do think that the passion of the christ is is a provocative film in terms of how violent it is and in terms of the raw nerves it jabs and in terms of um you know for all sorts of reasons but i will defend it as a, i think it's actually a very good horror film oh you have to think about the fact though once again coming back to the context of what it's set in it's set in palestine in the and palestine is in palestine in the roman empire because that's yes. what it was called yeah like for anybody who might freak out about it being israel or not it was palestine then um the that part of the roman empire they were all jewish in that area they did have some people who traveled through who may be greek or maybe roman or etc but the people who lived in that land were jewish yeah and therefore yeah it's going to happen in that context so there will be good and bad people within that yeah i I mean i I, I thought that the the accusations of anti-semitism about that film specifically were were, were misguided yeah i think that i mean mel gibson i understand has his issues (laughs) yeah i don't think but um but you know but but i you know i still like his films i mean apocalypto is a terrific film you know i think he is a good blunt instrument i liked the one the one about the conscientious objector in world war ii oh yes yes Um, yes 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 Hacksaw Ridge. I, I like a lot of his films. And he's got the new one coming out called The Professor, I think it is, which looks quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I so you know what? I, I, I refuse to sort of... I like his films. I don't care what anyone thinks. I like them. But I also think that so he is a provocateur. Mm. And I think that there are also... Um, I mean, just to, conversely, on the subject of Jesus, The Last Temptation of Christ, the Scorsese film, again, a lot of Christians were offended by it. Yes. That's a provocative film. If you look at some of the things it's getting into, the idea that of Jesus having doubt self-doubt and not fulfilling his mission coming off the cross being tempted to go and live a life with mary magdalene and so on but but again ultimately he, that doesn't happen and sorry i'm you know spoilers no maybe, but, <laughs> i mean but um you know but i think that i think that that it's an interesting film and i think again there was a big overreaction to it um but i think there is always when you talk about things like faith Yes. Like, of any religion, people get very, very protective or sensitive to people exploring it. Yes. Yes, and, and I think... and I Because dis- it's sacred 
text. Of course. And I, and I think that's understandable, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that it is important to look at the films and, and really think about it rather than just kind of, if, if that makes sense. I think that... Um, I was going to talk about something else. Uh, um, oh, yeah, I just want to say one other thing about... We talked about Jordan Peele, and I was going to talk about... Okay, I want to say one more thing about Tarantino, just to bring it full Back, circle. yeah. Okay, about racism. Okay. Now, there is... The, I don't know if you're... You probably don't remember this. When Pulp Fiction came out, uh, there was real controversy over the fact that Tarantino's character was using the N-word in front of Samuel L. Jackson. Blah, and I think it was Spike Lee who said... And by the way, he's a provocateur as well, Spike yes, Lee, a lot of his... 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, especially Do the Right Thing, which I think is a terrific film. But I think that in, in that, he was criticising very strongly, you know, the idea that, that uh, you know, a white man should be saying this to somebody like like Samuel L. Jackson because that should never happen in real life, blah, 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 blah. And so there are people who, again, Tarantino was was a provocateur. He really, but I don't think, I don't think Tarantino for one second is a racist. No. But I think that, I think that it was interesting that nonetheless... He's 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 and I think he's doing those things on purpose, and he is going to be provocative, and he is. He, I think he's depicting the world as it is rather than how we would like it to be. Yeah, and I think oftentimes, particularly with the use of language and things like that, it's not about whether you can or can't say something. Generally, we do have freedom of speech, etc., and you're not going to get put in prison for that. But it's much more about what's the motivation. So, in that context, why is the character saying it? Well, I think I will say this as well. I had a very interesting argument from Stephen Fry about political correctness and, and why he hates political correctness. And I think that, and I agree with this 100%, he basically said this, the problem is if you censor people, okay, what you do is you can't censor their minds. You, you know, try and shut people up, but you're just pushing it all underground then. Which is what we saw you know, happen and why certain things are now coming to the surface exactly. once permission is given. Exactly. And so... I, I'm a great believer in, you know, let's defeat repugnant ideology with debate, let people have have their say, and then let them experience our criticism of it so that they can, you know, so that the, the, so those arguments are there publicly for us to discuss rather than let's suppress everything, let's not let people express themselves, let's cut, let's censor, let's alter, let's, you know, historically revise, let's do this, 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 and this. I think all of that is extremely dangerous and can lead us into a very dangerous, dangerous end. And that was Life Lessons with Simon Dillon here on The Tangent Tree. <laughs> I'm actually going to wrap it up there. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that obviously is the takeaway there uh, for this week on The Tangent Tree. So thank you for listening. Make sure you check out our Facebook and tweet us. Send us an email via our website. You can go to www.thetangenttree.com. We would love to hear from you. Tell us what you would like us to talk about um, next season on The Tangent Tree. But from us today, we will hear from you and speak to you next time.